Well, welcome everybody to Water of Life. My name is John, I'm uh, your campus pastor this weekend, and I'm so thankful that you're here with us today, that you're tuned in with us today, and ready to be engaged with what God has for you. And I know that God has something really great for, for all of us uh, in this season. And so, just wanna encourage you, if this is your first time with us, um, I, I just wanna welcome you, wanna say thanks so much for being here. If you could do us a favor and text the word 818 uh, the word new here, sorry, to the number 818-818. We would really appreciate it. Just let us know that you're here. That's the word new here to the number 818-818. Let us know that you're around and so that we can greet you and welcome you and say thanks for thanks for joining us this weekend. Um, and for, uh, for a church like ours, we have a lot going on as we're heading into December. There's so many good things happening, but I want to highlight a couple of them for you before we get into worship. The first is this, uh, during this season, I know I'm shopping for my kids, I'm thinking about what they're gonna want for Christmas, but one of the great joys that I have during the season is not only shopping for my kids, but also shopping for CityLink. CityLink is doing a huge mobile toy distribution this year. They're hoping to distribute 4,000 toys. And luckily it's not, all, not, it's not all on me to buy those toys, but together as a congregation, we come together and as I'm shopping for my kids, I'm also shopping for children that I don't know at CityLink. And it, I, it just fills me with excitement. I know I get my kids in on the deal. We're, we're talking about what they might like or want. And so those toys, we're gonna collect them here at the Fontana campus and also at the Upland campus, toys for age zero to 12. And uh, that's gonna be through December 13th. So you can bring them here up to December 13th. And then they're gonna be doing kind of a pack and praise event where they're getting together at CityLink on the 14th to put all those toys together. And then on the 15th, they're gonna distribute those. And so you can be a part of all three of those things if you want to. So you can get more information by going to wallchristmas.com. That's W-O-L Christmas.com. Get more information about all of that. And also, as we're getting into this season of, of December and the end of the year, we're already thinking about the beginning of the year and what God has for you in this new year for your growth and your expansion and, and your ministry skills. And so a couple things we have that I wanna let you know about. The first, is School of Ministry. Now, my wife and I went through the School of Ministry two-year program, and we loved it. It was just such a great way to get discipled, to get equipped for service, and to uh, together to, to learn ministry skills. And so, I wanna encourage you, if, you're not, if you've never jumped into the School of Ministry, now's a great time. This semester, it won't be live teaching here on campus, but we will be teaching through the internet. And so you'll be able to still take those classes live uh, with a cohort of people who will be going through those classes with you. Just wanna really encourage you, this is a great way to grow and to be equipped for ministry and to learn more about your calling and who God has created you to be. And so School of Ministry starts in January. They're gonna start doing informational meetings and stuff on that in uh, first part of January, January 10th. And so I wanna encourage you to go onto their website to find out more information. It's SOM. Dot school. That's SOM.school. Go today. You don't want to miss out on this great opportunity starting in January. And also, we have a lot of other classes. Normally this time of year, we come out with what we call the Grow Catalog. It's got all of our classes, all of our opportunities. Um, we're not doing it as an actual printed catalog this year, but you can go and get it online at uh, wallupdates.com. And it's got classes for baptism, for other kinds of equipping, things for your marriage, things for your kids, uh, things for your growth in Christ, just so many good opportunities. And so I wanna encourage you to head over there to wallupdates.com, get that information, and kind of plan out the beginning of your year and your growth in Christ. And uh, as we head now into our time of worship, I just want to encourage you, if you'd like to worship today through your tithes and offerings, we want to say thank you for that. That's such a blessing to us. And uh, you can always do that through the website or you can go through the Water of Life app and you can set up giving that way. And we just want to thank you for doing that. And now, just before we head into the worship center, 
I want to encourage you with a verse I was reading this week that really encouraged me uh, as I was thinking about worship and worshiping with you. It's in Psalm 9. It says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. And so, Father, that's the way that we come to you today. Not just a little bit of us, not divided between seven different priorities, but God, all of our heart, we will praise you today. We want to tell the world of all of your wonders. We don't want to have um, a heart that is, is distracted today or a heart that's divided, but rather we want to be totally focused on you. And so today we come to you, we praise your name, we worship you, God, together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's head now in just a moment over to the worship center where they're ready to get started with our worship service today. Yes. 
Jesus is 
we come to you today and tell you that we're grateful to know a God like you. You're gracious, forgiving, healing, restoring. You redeem us, Father, and you fill us with your glory, your hope, your possibility. In the midst of struggle, you always show up, Father, so we just tell you today how grateful we are for you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you in this place, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Well, before, we're not going to sit down. We're not done yet, but we're going to sing a song that uh, we've been singing this week. So many of you know we lost Pastor Bob this week, and um, it's been a really long week. I think before we even talk about honoring Pastor Bob, I need to speak to some of the misinformation. You know, I got another text message this morning, and um, we were blessed by Channel 2 and Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 9, all came in and really honored Bob and did really thoughtful thing. We were just shocked that there wasn't, there wasn't any you know, underlying current. And, and then the LA Times chose to write an article that was completely misleading and tied us coming back inside to Bob's death. And the truth is that Bob and Lori got COVID while they were on vacation away from, they were out of our area. And um, that they would take the death of a guy like Bob, who's just a giant lover of God. And, and then they would fill it full of misinformation and send it around the world and people would swallow it. It's just very tragic to me. It's very, very sad sign of our day and our time and our people and the lack of heart that we have sometimes for each other. And, and the things that people have said online this week are just, um, they're dark, sad. It makes you know that the world is hurting place today. They need Jesus, amen? Jesus tells us to love our enemies and love those people that hate you. And so we wanna do that, you know, and there was nobody better at that than Bob Bryant, honestly. Bob just loved people. Just, Bob just loved, 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 loved people and he was a giant. There's not gonna be a way, honestly, to fill the void that Bob leaves in our staff and Gail and I have known Bob and Lori for 30 years, and um, you know I, I hired Bob when he was driving a truck for Allied Vans, and he became a youth pastor here years and years ago, and um, just kept growing. You know, we're going to talk about tomorrow at his service. The service will be at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. We'll do it indoors and outdoors, and um, but just the time in the parking lot. I wanted to say to all of you who went to the parking lot at Kaiser, Ontario, you gave away blankets, you gave away coffee to people in line, getting tested for COVID, they were trying to get checked in, they were positive and sick with COVID, and you gave away blankets in the middle of the night, and you prayed with Lori, and you sat with her in the parking lot, a lot of us did, and, and looked at Bob's window and kept believing God for Bob's life, and there was a song that we sang and uh, it really kind of became a bit of an anthem that um, Lori just said, you know, this is really a song that I want us to sing about Bob's life and honor Bob with it. So Gregory's going to sing it for us right now. We're going to sing it together, but it, it's a great song. And God, listen, God does turn things around. He takes what was meant for evil and he turns them to good. Even if you lose a brother like Bob. You know, I said last night, I, it's gonna be hard for me to get my head around the fact that I'm never gonna hear this guy over in the corner yell, yay God, you know, in the middle of my message or something. And 
Bob is just so, such a giant for Jesus, you know, he's just a lover of God. So let's, let's worship and let's believe this, that God will take what was meant for evil and what has been perpetrated through some of this and use it for good, amen? Gregory. We serve a great God and he's able to do great things. Do you believe it?
God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Thank you, Lord, that your word declares you're a way maker, that when there's no way, you still make a way. That you are a God of breakthrough and hope and possibility. You're a God of healing and life. We thank you, Father, that you pour out your life on anybody who comes your way. Father, you don't, you're just not a respecter of persons. Thank you that Bob was a truck driver. You turned him into a giant. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, and thank you, God, for Bob's life. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Turn around and wave at somebody before you're seated today, would you? If you're here live, if you're online, Townsville, Upland, we love you guys. And I think it's important to say um, a lot of questions have come up this week about COVID and different things. And uh, as the county said in one of the articles that they wrote, there's been no known cases of anybody contracting COVID during any of our services indoors or outdoors. And so um, we've tried to be very safe, try to be keep people protected. Those of you who are at home, we love you and stay home. Bob was a guy who really was guarded. He was working from home. He knew he had underlying conditions. We want people to do that. And, and, um, but you know, like Bob said to me, he said, listen, I'm invincible until Jesus wants to take me home. And when he does, it'll be impossible for me to stay here. And we said that. And, uh, so I just have to believe that right now in the midst of the great sorrow and loss is that, um, yeah, that's the journey. How many know that's why we come to church? That is why we come to church, because we believe in eternity, amen? We do. So we're in part four of a series on biblical restoration. We've been covering a lot of different territory, but today we're blessed to have a friend of mine here with us and his wife. This is uh, Ron Hill and O.C., where are you? There you are over there. They're both sitting to my left over here. And, and uh, Apostle Ron Hill and I met at his church, actually, during COVID, so he was one of the blessings that's come out of COVID for me, uh, was an opportunity to go into his church for a meeting of pastors and gathering of pastors talking about what we could do to reach people during COVID, and so that was how I, how I met Ron. But let me tell you a little bit about him. In 1973, uh, he became the first African-American pastor or minister to serve as a chaplain with the Union Rescue Mission in Los Angeles. He was there from 73 to 80. He also served as an evangelist and chaplain with the LA County Probation Department. In November of 81, he founded his church in Los Angeles, Love and Unity Christian Fellowship in Compton. Today they have 3,500 members. And um, 
though they're located in a very, very, very difficult place in an urban uh, area that's known for drugs, gang violence, poverty in the city of Compton, but that's where God put them. And they have made it an effort to reach their community in the last, what, 25, 30 years, they have 40 years almost, they have gone door to door to every single house in Compton at least three times. Is that amazing or what, to tell people about Jesus? So I wanna not take him any more of his time, but invite my friend, and would you please give him a round, 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 huge, loud round of applause, <laughs> Pastor Ron Hill. Thank you, brother. Well, praise God. I'm on today. I guess I am. Had a glitch last evening. I got happy and hit the mic and it went out. But it's on today. So pray that I don't get that happy today. Amen. Well, God, we love you and we are most grateful that you have allowed us to be a part of the kingdom of God. And because of the time that I've spent with you, I have become uh, tremendously grateful and thankful for eternal life. The time when we'll see you in peace on the other side, where there'll be no anger, no hatred, no violence, no racism, no sickness, no disease, no COVID-19. Glory to God. And so while we're still here, we want to uh, find ourselves pursuing doing your divine will. We're asking for grace to pursue holiness, for grace to pursue walking in your love. And then that you'd use us to uh, promote Christ's gospel and have others to get transitioned out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. Anoint me today to share with your people, and I'd be grateful in Christ's name. And everybody said amen. amen. Well, again, thank God for being here, and I want to thank God for my dear, dear friend, Brother Danny. Uh, I want you to know that you people are blessed to have one of God's choices servants uh, on the planet today anyway man <laughs> praise God you know oftentimes when you get familiar with people uh, sometimes you uh, miss out on appreciating the greatness that God has deposited in their lives and your pastor is such a man the thousands and maybe even millions of people that he has in one way or another uh, been a blessing to and uh, I want to thank God for blessing me to get a chance to meet him and to become his friend. And he has been a source of uh, inspiration uh, to my life. Uh, so on his wife as well and his son and daughter and all of his family. All the staff here, and I want to tell you that you people do a fantastic job of greeting guests and, and showing compassion. I appreciate that. Thank God for my wife for 48 years, amen, and praise God for her. Uh, I would like to give you a, a, a program for you if you're married. It's something that you can uh, add to your marriage, uh, and this is for free today, by the way. 
you can marry your marriage, and that is this. I started on yesterday uh, uh, telling my wife that I'm going to out-humber her. I am going to be the most humble husband and most patient husband that she's ever met before, that she's ever heard of, amen. I'm going to out-patient her and out-humble her, amen. And um, I said that to her because, you know, when you've been married 48 years, sometimes you get a little short and a little grumpy. Of course, I know you married people don't ever get short and grumpy, but uh, 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 we've had that to happen. But the last several days, we've had a most romantic, loving time together, and I, I want my wife to know I praise God for her uh, marrying me. Amen. Now, I want to discuss uh, reconciliation. I, I want to share uh, from Scripture more than I did last evening, but I, I, I do think it's important. Uh, given the fact that America today is in the grips of a lot of racial tension and racial divide, and off the top, I'd say that it is demonically inspired for sure. Um, aren't you glad that everybody's not the same color? I mean, I'd hate to see everybody be black like me. I mean, can you imagine if everywhere you go see another black folk? Or just, you know, because, and you can look at a, a flower garden and you can tell that God loves color. That's why we have so many different colors of flowers and what have you. Um, and it's amazing how Satan uses skin color to keep people divided and to keep people at odds. And people have lost their lives because of it. Uh, you know the history of America, how Africans were brought here 400 plus years ago to slave labor. And uh, it was atrocious, it was wicked, it was sadistic. What happened to the Africans that, was, that were bought here and how they were treated after being here? And, and, and by the way, let me tell you this. I'm not saying this to put anybody on a guilt trip because I don't imagine any white people in here today uh, had any slaves 400 years ago. So if you're 400 years old, please stand up, praise God. <laughs> So, so I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to put you on a guilt trip, but it did happen, um, and uh, we have to deal with that. It's a reality. Uh, I, I must tell you that I am amazed at the progress that black folk have made in this country. I mean, to be in slavery and then to be just let go and say, you go out there and make it for yourself. Uh, black people have done remarkably well. Uh, I also think that we should make com uh, comments about the abolitionists, about the white people in this country who were uh, against slavery and many lost their lives seeking to set black people free and to go into slave camps and to teach black people how to read and that, and that sort of thing. Uh, one of my favorite abolitionists would be William Wilberforce. Uh, who gave his life, a man from uh, England that gave his life to see the, the abolition of slavery. And uh, I threatened uh, to have a White Men Appreciation Sunday in Compton. Imagine that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I threatened. I did. And, and, and I did, however, um, I did, however, have a uh, guest speaker to come. Uh, God help me to remember his name. Also, can you remember, help me remember his name? Um, the historic. Barton, David Barton, yeah. David Barton. Anybody know the name David Barton? Okay. David Barton is one of the foremost historians uh, in America today. And I had observed him on television. So the Holy Spirit said, well, you know, during Black History Month, have him to come to be your black history teacher, a speaker. And I told my staff, they said, what? A white man's going to come to speak for, for a Black History Month? And I said, yes. And uh, because they were not too happy with me. Uh, but after he had spoken, they were saying, oh, thank you for bringing him. He knew more about black folk than black folk knew about black folk. <laughs> One of the things I learned uh, about black folk, uh, when you tell somebody, okay, okay, that's because of a black man that was in a company back east, and he was in this production company, and they was producing a product, and he was a family inspector and his name started with an O and his last name, uh, first name started with an O and last name started with a K and so he would just mark OK on it indicating that this box is, has been uh, uh, re uh, uh, released to go out of the company that it had passed uh, the inspection. So he put OK on it so he just caught on OK. So the next time you say OK remember that a black man gave you OK all right. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> um, so some, from a personal standpoint, I, I, I must tell you, I was telling my wife the day we was having a little breakfast, you know, I had some horrendous things happen to me. And um, I don't tell people this much because it sounds a little spooky, but um, after I had gotten born again, uh, I had an out-of-the-body experience. Don't get spooky. Now, I had an out-of-the-body experience, and when I, when I had this experience with God, uh, God began to talk to me and to show me different snapshots of my life. And he made the statement, you're delivered from this, you're delivered from this, you're, you're delivered from that. Because I've had, had had some painful, painful things to happen to me, and I'm not going to go through all of it, but... Uh, 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 major deaths in rapid succession, sister, six months later, mother, nine months later, grandmother, and that kind of wigged me out and then got rejected by my dad. He wouldn't buy me school clothes. They wouldn't feed me, wouldn't do anything for me. And so at 12, 13, I'm in the cotton fields and potato fields and hay meadows and doing farm work just to, to survive and all the time bitter and not understanding why. Uh, my dad had treated me the way he had treated me. Uh, and when I got older and began to reflect, I was informed that he was given to some white people when he was a young child, a young uh, lad. And that they beat him and abused him and hurt him. Uh, and, and he was unable, because of that, to connect with his wife and, of course, his children the way he should have. So he was twisted inside and, and wounded because of what had happened to him. And it just, can you imagine, what would he think about the fact that first of all, his mom and dad had divorced 
dad living in the same area, mother then takes him and gives him to a white family and his dad did not come to his aid. I can imagine how painful that was for him. And I can tell you it warped him and, it, and he was unable to really connect with me uh, as his son the way he should have. I would have holes in my shoes. I'd have pasteboard in the bottom of my shoes because of the sword being gone. And, and he knew it, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't buy, me, buy me anything. So I had to do what I had to do. One winter, after he had married another woman, left me into a house, left me in a house by myself. Winter time, sometimes the gas get cut off, no heat, no food, and no nothing. So I don't want to even go into what I did to make money because it wouldn't be appropriate today. But one evening, I stepped out of the house with one of his sweaters on. It was cold. He tells me to take it off. I said, no, I'm cold. And we got in an argument. I pulled out a knife, and he went and got a shotgun and leveled down on me with the shotgun. I can't tell you what that did to me. It, it was something that I would not wish on any uh, 12, 13-year-old kid. It, it, it did something to my inside, of course. I had to take the sweat off because I think that he would have shot me. I don't, I, he made me think he would. It was in my face, so I, I, I did what I had to do. So that was because, again, of being given to the white family. He couldn't relate to me as his son, and that was the, the thing that happened. That was one of the most devastating things that happened to me that I was uh, relate to the black and white issues. The second one was most devastating. Um, before this happened, I was not a fighting guy. I wasn't no tough guy, you know, fighting people and doing violence. But uh, my dad, I was about eight, nine years old. My dad was working for the federal government. My dad had his own business. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. As far as I knew, things were going well. This white couple uh, begged my mom to do day work. Now, if you didn't think about day work back then, day work meant that a black woman would go to white people's house to clean for them, to cook for them, and, and do what the white woman should have been doing for herself, but then the black woman would do the work, so they wanted my, my mom to be one of those persons, and initially, she re re resisted, but finally she agreed to do it. And after working for those people for maybe a short time, but two, three weeks, uh, this white man brought some white men to our house and he said to my mom, that ring was her name. He said, if you don't bring that ring that you stole from my wife, we're gonna put a rope around your neck, hang you in the well, until you produce that ring. Now, fear is amazing. There was so much tension and fear in, in our home until you could almost cut it with a knife. I'm the youngest child of the family. I related to my brother, he acted as if it wasn't such a big deal, but to me, it was major because I was afraid of those white people and I, I feared that they would come and get my mom and I could see them putting a rope around her neck and hanging her into the well. A few days later, because my parents didn't know what to do, they, they were afraid, obviously. 
Uh, a few days later, the man comes back to the house, very apologetic, says to my mom, oh, uh, my wife was washing her hands and she had taken her ring off and put it on the windowsill and had forgotten it. And in washing her hands again, she remembered and she found the ring. Would you please come back to work? <laughs> My mom said, absolutely not. I'll never set foot in your house again. But the damage had been done to my emotions. So I had become enraged and later on after my mom had died, my dad had rejected me. Uh, as I talked about the field work I had to do working and what, what have you. And uh, during the school year, I would work as a chicken catcher. Now in East Texas, and they still have it today, they'd have a big old barn full of chickens. And when the chickens would get old enough to, to, to take the market, what crews of young men from 11 o'clock at night to 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, we'd go into those chicken houses, catch those chickens, and we could check, uh, catch anywhere from five to 10,000 chickens a night, and they would take them to, uh, to the market. And so um, there I was doing that work, making $45 a night. One night before going to work, there was a white kid and I'm wanting to know, what is he doing here? And they said, he's going to work. I said, no, he's not. Now, who am I to say he's not going to work? I picked a fight out of the kid. And, 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 and years later, when I, when I remember Martin Luther King, and I was a little guy when he started, you know, talking about the marches and civil rights and whatever, and was talking about nonviolence. And, and by the way, a lot of older black people then thought uh, uh, Martin Luther King was a troublemaker. They were highly upset with him, the older black people were, because of the nonviolence that he was talking about. And I said that because I, I had a firsthand uh, experience with nonviolent people. I picked a white with this fight with this young white kid, my age. I knocked him to the earth. I began to hit him. And I can remember as if it was yesterday. Um, he looked into my eyes and he offered no resistance. He didn't raise his hand to block the blows. He didn't try to hit me. And I looked into his eyes and I couldn't hit him anymore. It did something to my soul that even today, I'm so sorry for what I did. I did what I did because of being angry and, and enraged because what I had had done to me. And I tell you this because when you look at the violence that's in the black community of America and you wonder why are they killing each other? Uh, when I labored, at the Union Rescue Mission talking to hundreds and hundreds of men. And when I did ministry in the Los Angeles Juvenile Hall there in Downey, and talking to hundreds and hundreds of inmates, they all had a similar story. They had gotten wounded. They had gotten into fear. Fear morphed into anger. And anger, if it isn't correctly dealt with, will either be expressed through violence or self-destruction. 
the men of Skid Row who had been wounded, who had gotten into fear, who had gotten into anger, took it out on themselves. And the kids in the juvenile hall who had gotten wounded, who had gotten into fear, who had gotten into anger, they took it out on society. So in the black community, when I minister to young black men, I know exactly where they are. They're dealing with anger. Dealing with anger because of being hurt by society in some way or another. And they have been unable to cast it away uh, from their lives. And hence, when you talk about reconciliation of the races, one of the things we have to really consider the fact of the fact is that there are a lot of wounded black people in this country. Many of them won't even express it and they even can't express. All they know is that they're upset, they're marching, they're burning stuff because of anger. And it has to be dealt with. And I believe that the only people who can correctly deal with this racial divide would be those of us who know Christ as Savior. We're the only ones. Uh, and by the way, let's, let's destroy this notion. There is no such thing as a black church. There's no such thing as a white church. There's no such thing as a brown church. There's one church, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen? Uh, and it's, it is most important that we accept that fact because when you go into dealing with people and he's, he's a black Christian or what, what does that got to do with it? We're we all the same color on the inside. Even from a natural standpoint, you can take the, the kidney of a white man and put it in a black man, he can keep on living. Why? Because we're all the same. A, a black Cadillac runs just as good as a white Cadillac, amen? <laughs> That'll come to you later, amen? So, so what Satan has been able to do is that he's been able to cause people to think that they are either inferior or superior. To think that the color of your skin is an indication of your being superior or inferior is a lie. It's nothing but a lie. And Satan again is using it to cause hate, to, to bring havoc to, to America. But those of us who have really come to know Christ as Savior, we are the ones who have the answer to the racial divide. And we are going to be used by God in the church to let America know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that Jesus has the power to go inside of the heart of a wounded white man, a wounded black man, he has the power to go inside of them and, and to, to, to bring newness of life, to, 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 to translate them out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear son. When a man or a woman has a genuine encounter with Jesus, 
and they are really born again. They become new creatures in Christ. Glory to God. And, and, and they know how, how to use their faith to conquer the one thing that keeps us divided from God, and that's S-I-N, sin. Anytime a human being has the wrong spirit toward another human being, they got that spirit because of turning away from God. The only way that Cain could murder his brother Abel is because he had an issue with God. When Cain turned his back on God and rejected God, he had to turn his face toward the devil. When a man is not walking with God, he's walking with the devil. And Satan hates people. He hates people. He's an equal opportunity hater. He hates everybody the same. Amen? If you are a human being, he hates you. And it is his desire to destroy your life by any means necessary. But thank and praise God for the bloody gospel. Adam and Eve got us into trouble. Adam and Eve got us into trouble when Adam partook of that forbidden fruit. And that opened the door for sin to enter the human race. And when sin entered the human race, it brought racism, it brought anger, it brought bitterness, it brought adultery, it brought fornication. Anything that's wicked and ungodly, that's what it brought into the human race. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Hallelujah to God. And when you get born again, and that the Bible says when you get born again, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I thank and praise God for the fact that I got exposure to the gospel before calamities happened to my family. When I was a small child, I loved Jesus and had a little white Bible that, I, that my parents gave me. And I went to Sunday school and I went to church. I loved Jesus. After the calamities happened in my life, I was immature. I blamed God for it and walked away from him. But people began to get on. I was driving bus for RTD in Southern California. And people would get on the bus giving me gospel tracts. As you notice, I carry them now. I'm, I'm locked and loaded, brother. It's, it, praise God, a sinner jump up. I got some point in that. Now, 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 they would give me these gospel tracts. And because I had been to Vietnam twice, I was full of rage and full of anger. All the things that happened to me when I was a child, then start smoking that dope and start hoeing around in the streets. I was one jacked up guy. And they'd get on the bus giving me a track. I would curse them out. I said, man, don't come tell me about that white man's God. I don't hear nothing about that. Get that foolishness away from me. I'd pull money out of my pocket. This is my God, I would say. Now, you talk about a dummy. That's, uh, listen, I put the D in dummy. Amen. I, got, I was one dumb guy. But they kept doing it. And they kept giving me tracks. Until one day, I read the track. And it angered me. 
because this track talked about what Jesus could do in your life. And I'm already, and I said, I don't believe any of this stuff. So I said, what am, I'm so sick of them telling me about this. I'm sick of it. And, and then one day I was up in Hollywood getting ready to take a young lady out to, to a movie. This young white guy came to me and I can see him now. He had furcas all over, had pimples over his face. And he come to me and he began to preach to me about Jesus. And he began to say something about Jesus. I don't really know what he said, but he fascinated me. I mean, he had just look in his eyes like he knew what he was talking about. I said, whoa, I told the girl, did you see that guy? She said, yeah, he was all over you. I said, he was all over me. So I decided to go to my aunt's house and I said, I said, I'm sick of these people telling me about Jesus. I don't know why I said this, but I said, for six months, I'm going to read the word of God and I'm going to prove that the word of God is not true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before six months I was born again and baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and ready to go with God amen it wasn't long after that that God led me to quit that job to go full time in soul winning I've led thousands of people to the Lord on street corners, jail houses, skit room missions, nightclubs. I had a nightclub ministry. I'd go in nightclubs and order seven up and just then nudge up the people and give them the gospel. I remember some nightclub in Los Angeles uh, invited me. They, they were having a play dealing with a, a preacher. I forget what it was about. And they wanted me to come and close. I said, now, you know I'm a preacher, right? Said, yeah, we want a preacher to come. I went in there and preached that gospel and turned that place out. Amen to God. Folks started coming out of there. They want to know, what are you talking about? Amen. So I would say to, to black brothers and white brothers and brown brothers and anybody who want to have an impact on the racial divide, make sure you accept Christ as your Savior. Make sure that you have been born again. Get anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost and get out there in the world and recognize that you are a part of the ministry of reconciliation. Just make sure you've been reconciled before you try to reconcile somebody else. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, the Bible says these words. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All the things that happened to me and as a child, all the things that happened to me in, in, in this country, going to Vietnam twice. Oh, by the way, when I was in Vietnam, I prayed. Oh, did I pray? Oh, God, I'd say, if you let me get back, I promise you I'm going to do right. I'm going to do right. Got back, got my zigzag paper, and started back rolling a bomber. Amen to God. There I was. Mm. <laughs> and then the United States government decided to send me back again. I thought, oh boy, God's going to get me this time. I started to flee to Canada. Back in the 60s, young men were fleeing to Canada. I, I said, but I said, no, I'm going to go back. And I prayed again. Came back, told the same lie, but I guess God heard me because he sent those people to me with those gospels track and it got a hold to me. I got born again of the Spirit of God, got anointed of the Spirit of God, and the next thing you know, as a new creation, I bought into the notion that I am a minister and I would tell you today that all of you in here, 
You are a minister. Everybody who's born again, you are a minister. Note here what the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And I'll tell you something today, I've always said this before. If Christians in America would have taken this serious, if Christians in America would have gotten involved with the ministry of reconciliation, the way God has instructed us to, I think this could have been a most different nation uh, that it is. Can you imagine if everybody who named the name of Christ in this country would win one soul and disciple one soul a year? Good God Almighty, can you imagine everybody who enter into churches of America would win one soul and get that one soul into classes in the Sunday school and in the worship services and teach them and train them how to become a bona fide disciple of Christ, it would revolutionize America almost in two years. We'd, we'd have a tremendous impact on this nation and then we wouldn't have to worry about getting the right judges in. And, and, and making sure we get the right judges in because the people themselves would stand up for what is right. I don't care, I don't care how racist a person is, how, how a person has been impacted by racism in this country. If they truly get born again and get washed in the blood of Jesus and get cleansed by the word of God and get full of the spirit of God and begin to walk in the principles of God, well, then they don't need the police, amen, they got the Holy Ghost as their police, amen, they got, and, and then they won't care what color they are. And so you note here, he says, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me just take a moment and tell all of us today, can you imagine there you were a child of the devil, that Satan was your father, but somebody gave you the gospel. Somebody told you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can you imagine? Here you are sons and daughters of God here you are and dwelt by the same spirit that created the universe here you are redeemed by the blood redeemed by the Holy Ghost and seated in heavenly places in Christ you are a new creature anointed by God and authorized by God in the name of Jesus and it was Jesus who told you go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and be baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Can you imagine, brothers and sisters, here you are, a representative of God. You are his hands extended in the earth. You are here, and I, and I thank God again, making reference to your pastor. All of the places that he's been, 
taking the gospel and, and drilling wells and starting schools and doing all the things that he has done for the body of Christ. Clap your hands, somebody said, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. You are a part of something that is amazing. Praise God, man. It is amazing to understand that to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us, has committed unto the believer the word of reconciliation. And what is the word of reconciliation? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, child of God today. I, I, I don't know what your story is. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened to you. And, and I had a chance to tell a portion of my story today. But everybody has a story. Everybody has it's his story or her, her story. But everyone has a story. But aren't you glad that what happened to you, by the way, has now been broken by the blood of Jesus and by the Holy Ghost? Thank God for that. Oh, I, I could get into self-pity. I can get into self-pity the times I went to bed hungry at night. The time I went to house bed in a cold house in the wintertime. Had to put so many blankets on the bed that if I want to turn over, I had to get out of the bed to turn over, amen. That's how many blankets I had on the bed, amen. Uh, uh, going through, been, been, and, and waiting to get to school the next day so I can go and work in the cafeteria to get a big belly of food, amen. I know, I know about that. And thank and praise God for my, for my basketball coach and football coach who would give me lunch tickets because he knew what I was going through. I could shed a tear. I could get into pity. I, I could get into anger against white folk. But oh, no, 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 no. The love of God has been shed abroad. Uh, in my heart by the Holy Ghost and I love everybody or as they would say in East Texas I love everybody amen to God I love everybody I forgive everybody amen you don't owe me anything I owe you I owe everybody to love I love everybody and it is my desire for everybody to be saved. The Bible in 2 Peter talks about, says God is not slack as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all will come into repentance. God loves everybody and he wants everybody to be saved and so do I. So I would encourage you, do not allow satanic forces to cause you to see people through the wrong lenses. I, I'd encourage you to see everybody through the love of God. Some people are hurting badly and because they're hurting they will respond to you in a negative way. When I was a little boy about oh, 
six, seven years old, I had a little dog came around and, 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 and took up to be my friend. So everywhere I was, I took the dog, little dog with me. And he got hit by a car. And I ran to the dog's aid and he growled and snapped at me. And it startled me. And an old gentleman said to me, he said, uh, a little boy, he said to me, he said, you're wondering why the dog snapped at you, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I am. Why did he snap at me? He said, he snapped at you because he's hurting. And I said, okay. But when I got to be an adult, I remember that episode. And I'm telling somebody today, when your wife snaps at you, it could be she's hurting. When your husband is grumpy, when you say good morning, he says, huh? Amen. <laughs> it could be that he's hurting. And when you see black people in a rage, marching, yelling, it could be that they're hurting. If you could sit them down and listen to their story, you'd be more compassionate. If you could listen to that story, what's wrong with them? They are wounded. Life wounded them. They got into pain of some sort. They got treated badly. Can you imagine walking into a store and having somebody follow you around? How many times have I had that happen to me? Walk into a store and people start following me around as if I'm going to steal something. It doesn't feel good. It, it doesn't feel good to go somewhere and, 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 and a white woman is crutching in a purse as if I'm going to snatch it. You have, to, you have to overcome all of that because she's in fear. I get into anger. It gets into fear and we have a blow up. That's where America is today. And the only people who can adequately address it would be those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And we see all people in need. Black people, white people, and all people. And my final statement would be, if I were white, and I'm not as you can see, <laughs> if I were white, I would make sure that I'd ask God to give me the spiritual capacity to see black folk through his eyes and to love them with his love. Be careful what you think about people, no matter what color they are, be careful. You know why? Because God loves everybody the same. And he's not gonna tolerate us. There's one blood, one blood. And Jesus died for us all my time as our Father. I thank you today for blessing me to have this opportunity to share my life. And God, you know, I'm, I'm not too excited about looking back at all the stuff I went through. It was not pleasant, to say the least. But I pray that something would have been spoken today that would prove to be a blessing to your people. Bless Brother Danny, touch his body, as he gets ready for his medical procedure, go with him. I also want to pray for my son, Ron Jr., who has been struck by COVID-19. Touch my son's body.
bring him through, Lord God. In Jesus' name, not only him, but all persons who have been struck with COVID-19, heal their bodies and God remove the scourge from the earth. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody clapped their hand and said, Amen. put a big question mark there, didn't he? Pray for Pastor Dan and his medical procedure, and you're all like, what is that? Um, God, they don't know about that, Ron, so I haven't told anybody. <laughs> I haven't told anybody I'm having heart surgery in a couple of weeks, so I am. Um, no, I need to have an ablation, so I've had ablations before, and some of you know that. I have a short in my heart, so my heart's beating about 70% right now, and so um, if I forget things, forgive me. I don't have enough blood in my brain. So, um, but no, I am going to have an ablation on December 21st, uh, early in the morning in Los Angeles. So you can pray for me for that. But more important than that, I want to talk to you about Ron really quick, and we'll wrap up here. But um, when, when I first met Ron, it was on a phone call. We were on a phone call together, and um, and it was kind of a Zoom thing or something. But there's a whole bunch of pastors on it. And, he said to all the pastors on this thing, he said, you know, we're not going to get through this unless we pray for each other. And so I want to know who pray with me every day. It was really quiet on the other end of the phone. It was like nobody answered. I mean, here's a guy asking you to pray with him every day. Like make a, I want a commitment, somebody to pray with me every day. And we went on in the conversation because nobody said anything. And, and, the, and I just said, Lord, help me. And the Lord said, yeah, you, you tell him you'll pray with him every day. And so that's how we ended up having a relationship. And bless his heart, if he doesn't call me all the time, and I call him all the time, and we pray together on the phone all the time, even if it's just 10 seconds, it's bless him today, and amen, goodbye, and it's over. But we pray together often. And, and uh, one of the reasons that I wanted Ron to come is because of his heart for reconciliation, his heart for the kingdom of God, his heart for people of all tribes and tongues, nations, and he just has a passion for people. So here's the deal. We're going to close up this, this uh, whole series on reconciliation this week and start next week on some really great things that we're going to take into Christmas Eve on surprising some people and really blessing them. But that's a whole other story. What I would like you to do as we close this up is I'd like you to take a survey and help us as we start to process through this. Um, we're going to do a, a survey. We've got a survey about 11 questions. Very, very quick, very short. You can text 818-818, and you can do the survey in probably a minute and a half. And if you would do that, that would be wonderful. You can go on Water of Life Updates and look for the survey, and then we're going to get it up on the front of our webpage tomorrow. But if you go on Water of Life Updates and look for the survey, take the survey and um, just tell us your sense of racial reconciliation, what we need to do as a church. We want to build classes that will help people grow. Like we told you a week ago we we're going to do, and that would be the way that we'll understand what your needs are and what you can do uh, to help us to construct classes that would really bring life to you. So, Father, we want to thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you for Brother Ron. Thank you for his ministry. Thank you for his heart for the kingdom. Thank you for an opportunity to just hear his story today and understand how you've touched his life to reconcile him to you 
us to him, and thank you, God, that you build bridges in the hearts of humans, that you want to change lives, touch people, and in that, Father, you do these great and wild supernatural things that we pray we'd be part of every day this week. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great day today. Well, I don't know about you, but to me, that was a great message to hear about reconciliation from a voice that maybe we don't normally hear. I know when we hear Pastor Dan or our normal uh, staff pastors, we love that. But hearing a voice from outside of our context, from outside of our area, uh, is so beneficial and it's so fresh. I think it's really helpful for each one of us. And so I want to encourage you with a couple of ideas, a couple of reflect and respond questions before we move on to our week. Because I know for me, I love to just be able to ruminate on what we've heard and what, we've, what the Spirit has said to me during this moment. And so if you take a moment right now and just think about it or maybe write this down, I know it'll be really helpful for you and for me as we go into our week. And so the first is this. Um, what was really surprising or encouraging to you about that message? You know, as I mentioned, it's, it's a voice from outside of our context. So what, was there something that really surprised you or was there something that really encouraged you by the message we just heard about reconciliation? Um, the other thing I would encourage you to do, and I love this, is to take this verse as a, as a journal prompt or as a prayer prompt. It's a great verse. It's from Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says this, After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so this idea that there are people from every nation, every tribe, every language who will be surrounding God's throne. What a great thing to, to consider, to journal about, or to use as a prayer prompt right now. And so the last thing I want to encourage you with, and this is something you may not be able to use right away, but to use this three-by-one approach. And basically this is, this is what it is. It's really simple. It's when you encounter someone who's from a different culture, a different ethnicity or background, is to try to just purposefully, strategically in your mind, listen three times more than you talk. To really listen to their experience, to their background, to their story, much more than you're trying to share yours. And I think that's, that's, a, that's not just something that's good for us as a church, but for everybody, if we could engage in that, in that approach as we listen to people who are coming from a different background. And today, as always, if you need prayer, I want to encourage you. There, your um, online pastors are going to be posting some instructions as to how you can get prayer right now, right in the moment. And of course, you can always call into the church during the week for prayer at any time, uh, Monday through Friday. And so God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Can't wait to see you again next week. God bless.